that was one of our one of our strategies that we ran from like day one. It was kind of called we called it a viral content strategy, and it was something that we could use to get a lot of mentions and get um, links back to our blog, and also we could kind of trojan horse in some links to some less easy to get link pages. We all strive for more nowadays, more traffic, more revenue, more growth. In this never-ending battle for more, it's easy to forget what's important. So what is important? Building real relationships with real humans and trying to be better each day without caring quite so much about getting more. After all, by building real and meaningful relationships, you'll have way more than you ever need. The SaaS SEO Show is a platform for meaningful connections and honest conversations with people who are real, hardworking practitioners and high performers in the SaaS industry. We're here to learn and get inspired by them, and we hope you do too. Now, here's your host, George Cassiotis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the SaaS SEO Show. I'm your host, George Cassiotis, and today I'm very happy to be joined by Ryan McGreedy. Ryan serves as the Senior Demand Generation Manager at Whimsical, where he leverages his extensive marketing expertise to boost organic traffic and enhance brand visibility. With a keen focus on content creation and marketing strategies, Ryan has successfully contributed to substantial organic traffic growth and brand recognition. Ryan, welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for that great introduction. Uh, it was a great intro indeed, but I haven't shared anything about you and your background. Uh, could we start from there? Yeah. Um, so I've been in this type of role, tech role, um, marketing for probably the last 10 years. Um, when I graduated, I launched my own site and learned kind of how to build an audience and how to run a WordPress site, how to build that from scratch. I literally was just like, hey, I want to have my own tech review site. So I built it from scratch and scaled it up to 50,000 organic uh, a month. And that was that was a big deal back then. That was back in the early uh, 2015, I think. And then from there, just went to Vengage where I learned how to become a search marketer. We built our SEO um, engine into just this massive thing. Um, then went to Reforge, was there, or sorry, went to Foundation, learned how to work in an agency, wrote a ton of really interesting thought leadership stuff. That's where I really found like what I enjoyed doing. Uh, went to Reforge and learned from some of the best people there, learned how to really work with other thought leaders and turn their content or their ideas into really great content. And now I'm at Whimsical just helping them grow and kind of become an amazing or get show show the world what an amazing app Whimsical really is. So for people who haven't heard of uh, Whimsical before, can you please uh, give us a quick overview of what it yeah. does and who is a typical customer? Yeah. So most people will know Whimsical from our boards. We have a very, very fast, easy to use, user-friendly, um, in infinite canvas kind of whiteboarding tool that most people will know us from that. But we also have a docs tool that is just as easy to use. It's just as fast that kind of it makes you wonder why you're using Google Docs because it's so easy to use. Um, there's no distractions. And like I do all of my work on Whimsical now which is so funny to think about because I was such a 
Google Docs, Die Hard, do everything in that. It's, it's so nice. Everything's connected. You can drop a board in there if you want to explain more um, about like what you're talking about. It's just it's a great kind of just place to turn your messy ideas, which all of us have, especially working in marketing, into something a little more organized and something that you can synthesize and share with your team. Um, right now, most of our customers are other SaaS companies um, or kind of the independent people building their own things. And like I said, they love us because we're fast or basically use we can share easily with other people on their team. Um, and if we kind of have these nice constraints where you can move fast when you're designing a flow chart or you're designing um, really anything and you don't have to think about, oh, what font am I going to use or what of the millions of colors I can use, you just can kind of go which is so nice when you're trying to, like I said, turn that messy, messy thoughts in your head into something a little more, a little more shareable with your team. Okay, um, that makes sense. I would like to start this conversation from your time at uh, Engage, which I happen to to know because uh, we were working with a competitor uh, to Engage back then, and so I was, you know. Um, closely monitoring every every move uh, you guys made. So uh, you worked there for for more than five years. And yep. I would like to ask, uh, what were the most important learnings from, from this experience? I mean, I came in to Bengage knowing very little about SDO, like basically nothing I knew of it. I've used it a few times in previous roles and stuff like that, and just not much about it. So. We as a team basically went from just like a bunch of knowing nothing about SEO to like an SEO powerhouse um, pretty quickly. So like we did a lot of testing. We learned how to write content. We learned how to build out separate kind of like SEO tests. I built a whole secondary blog just to like start testing, um, testing long tail keywords and stuff like that that were more template based. And that that was so successful that we like had to shut it off because it was distracted from our blog. Um, but I think we just learned how to be super, super scrappy. We're a team of, let's see, four, four or five on the content team, on the whole marketing team, just taking on some big people like Canva, taking on like, uh, Adobe. We were competing with Spark back in the day. Like we are a pretty small team taking on these big giants. So we had to be super, super scrappy and like learn, learn as we're going, but also like have a very regimented like how we build things um and how we approach content and i brought that kind of approach to everywhere i've gone and it's really i think it's been very helpful to just to know how to do a lot with nothing which i think some of the some of the other bigger companies are kind of spoiled with we have unlimited resources we have unlimited writers we can just burn down an entire niche with just like throwing money at it but as we move into kind of like tighter, tighter times, like that's not going to work anymore. You can't throw a million dollars at a keyword and hope, or a keyword niche and hope to rank on it. You mentioned com competitors like uh, Canva and Adobe, uh, Spark. Yeah. Do you remember yourself or the team um, actually monitoring, regardless of the fact that they had uh, shifted budgets, but monitoring what um, these this folks are doing and trying to sort of learn from them? Or was it that 
know what? Yeah. Like their strategies were uh, a bit far-fetched, let's say, for us. And we, we, were, we had to be a bit more focused on the things that we, we were going to, to, to do. Yeah, I think so. Canva follows that that classic SaaS app that is really generalist. Is like they spread really fast by word of mouth. Uh, people take it from team to team. They say, "Hey, have you heard of this great app?" All that stuff, and then that stopped. You know, that stops working after like you can only grow to a certain point. So when we were competing with them, they were still kind of in that that word of mouth kind of sociable growth um, growth motion. So. Their, their search approach wasn't as sophisticated as as it is now because I think the classic once you burn down all of all of your other stuff, you turn the search and just throw as much money as you can at it. And now they're just like they're like any other any other search driven company. But back then they weren't as sophisticated, and like we could pick off a lot of places where they weren't focusing and drive a lot of revenue, a lot of customers through there because they weren't as we're going to hit every single keyword we can approach like they are now they were kind of like oh we do social media graphics we do this we do that and it was a little more uh a little more focused on some of the different niches instead of being a one size fits all design tool well that makes sense um one of the things that you did while uh you were at Vengage was to create content that got mentioned on various media outlets can we talk about that uh, a bit? Yeah, that was one of our one of our strategies that we ran from like day one. It was kind of called we called it a viral content strategy, and it was something that we could use to get a lot of mentions and get um, links back to our blog, and also we could kind of trojan horse in some links to some less easy to get link pages like landing pages and template pages and stuff like that into that content just because we knew how to write um write viral content and write stuff that people want to talk about they want to share they want to link to and stuff like that and probably one of our most famous ones was what i wrote for five years straight which was it was called graphic design trends and that thing the power <laughs> i mean just looking back on the traffic we got to that i'm envious about where all that traffic came from like you don't get you don't get that type of traffic on blog posts anymore but um it gave us something to pitch to media outlets for basically the entire year we could use it as link building we could use those partnerships it just gave us kind of a vehicle to start the conversations that wasn't like hey do you want to write about infographics because no one wants to write about infographics but hey we we do this graphic design trend article every single year here's this year's version and we built those relationships so it was a it was a great way to kind of give us a foot in the door with these media organizations without pitching them exactly what we do like infographics was our focus and i think that's where a lot of people fall down right now it's like hey we do project management do you want to write about project management? And no, people are like, no. But if you were like, hey, we did this study where we talked to a thousand product managers, here's something that they struggle with on a day-to-day basis, backed by data, that's a lot easier to kind of pitch to people. And I've, I've always been a fan of that data-driven content um, that powers kind of the less, the less easy to pitch content and gets it in front of more people. Do you think it's easy to replicate this, this kind of success 
nowadays or is it just too noisy and people i mean it's it's difficult to get like your your message across and uh even if you pitch the right uh folks yeah chances are you will not be able to replicate this kind of success i think it is but i think people are approaching it why i think they're approaching it from a company standpoint and i think you need to approach it from like an employer voice standpoint where you elevate those people and like that's that's one thing that we did at Vengate. That's one thing we did at Foundation, Reforge. I mean, everywhere I've been is like, I've always pushed that you need to have a few quote unquote spokespeople that are writing about your niche, that are writing about your company, that are writing about interesting things that are happening in the industry that you can use to kind of like uh, push content instead of it coming from a company account. It feels a lot more authentic too when i'm writing about something i'm writing about how i use whimsical stuff like that i wrote something last week about that and just threw it up on linkedin and people seem to really like it because it's like oh that's how i use whimsical too and it's it's just kind of the classic putting a face to some content instead of just like a brand account um what about pinterest uh you have extensive experience with pinterest and I, I want to ask what use cases you see for Pinterest nowadays, if any. Um, how can SaaS companies leverage it and under what circumstances? I haven't, been, uh, I haven't been using Pinterest for growth in a long time, not since Vengage. I basically hacked Pinterest into, I don't want to say oblivion, but the way that they monitored spam the way that they monitored new accounts was very very rudimentary back then so you could basically set up um, some automations where you could force yourself to kind of rank on whatever keyword you wanted um, and drive traffic back to your site I haven't been on it in three four years I'm guessing they're better I'm guessing it's a little easier to spot that but back in the day we were running pretty good growth through that because at the end of the day Pinterest is a search engine so you can use a lot of the same tactics that you're using for the content that we we're trying to get to rank on Google it's just a visual and like Vengage was such a visual tool we had so many templates we had so many examples it was just very easy to just have like a constant stream of content or content um and take over those keywords like I don't think anyone back then really had a competent strategy of like we probably should be ranking for this it was like other people would put up like a Canva template or something like that. What about landing pages? Uh, I saw a post you did the other day on LinkedIn yeah. a couple of weeks ago uh, regarding landing pages. And yeah. you, while at Vengage, you you worked on, on more than 100 landing pages for various use case that the tool had. Um, any insights um, you have there uh, on yeah. what makes a good landing page? Um, yeah. I think I think Google has rewarded lately a lot of these big companies that just throw a thousand, two thousand words of content out at the bottom of their landing pages just to rank on as many keywords as they want or as they can. And I think that's really it's toxic to users. It just feels very spammy. But it's like, why do you have to scroll all the way down here to get this content? They're not writing that for users. They're not writing that for People aren't scrolling down and looking at how to make a whatever, how to make a greeting card that Canva's stuffing down at the bottom of this page and it takes you four scrolls to get down there. Like they're just, it's kind of a, it feels like it's a race to the bottom with a lot of these like search driven landing pages where it's like 
the top is conversion driven and then you scroll once and it just becomes a blog post that just seems very very backwards and like again google's always like oh write content for humans i'm like that's not for people that's for robots that's for your bots to read that it's been i mean it just feels like keyword stuffing anymore which is really unfortunate because some of these companies we really admired back in the day for oh they know how to do search right they know how to optimize and now it just feels like they're just throwing as much content as they can on these landing pages and just hoping to rank at for as many keywords as they want but the even, if it, even if it's not the right place to be putting people on your site like but is is there in your opinion is there a way to like um maintain a balance or do you think no SEO shouldn't be part of this equation at all. Like you should care about messaging, uh, answering product related questions and, and so on. I think Google has, I know you saw the Verge article last week, but I think we haven't ruined the internet and Google has ruined the internet by rewarding actors like this. And I think like that's, that's more of the problem is that they're rewarding these, this type of behavior instead of like actually surfacing those those landing pages that are answering that might answer the question or might help the user kind of do what they're trying to do so if we go back to canva if it's like um if you're searching for docs like canva's probably not the place the best place you want to be writing a doc but they're probably ranking for a bunch of a bunch of doc templates and stuff like that so it just it's it's an interesting place to be where it's like Google has been rewarding this type of behavior for so long and now people are kind of starting to get tired of it and now we're getting all these updates and stuff like that so I'm very interested to see where we go for the next year over the next year but I don't see it changing because it's just kind of how it's always been which is unfortunate yeah, I agree with you. Uh, it is unfortunate. Um, what about social media? What about social media con content? Um, you, you have experience um, in, in SaaS companies, agency, uh, educational organization. Yeah. What have you seen working consistently over these years? And like, what are your thoughts on social media content uh, nowadays? I think a lot of companies, so I was doing better research couple weeks ago and like I came to this realization that like right now uh some of the up and coming next SaaS tools people like Descript people like Linear people like Arc um kind of in that not Canva size where everyone knows it but still like loved by a lot of people there's kind of like two ways that they're approaching it one which is Descript is like there's a burn down every single keyword we can with publishing a, an article a day which is what they're doing um and that works for them because like they've got the money they've got the resources um but i think there's another path that i've really really come to admire and like arc and linear are doing it very well where they're treating social like a community and they really seem to like really respect their customers and the stuff that they're sharing on social is very we've made your life better by adding this feature. We've made your life better by doing this template. We've made your life better by all these things. And they have a lot of really strong employee voices that um, they use to talk about new features. One thing that I really like, it is 
I think it's ARP, but it seems like every time they put out a new, maybe not every time, but a lot of times they put out new features, they'll tag the product manager or the engineering manager or whoever worked on it. And I'm like, that's, that's so cool. What you're bringing, you're highlighting your employees. They come in and they add a comment. They said, oh, we do, we build this because X. And I'm just like, ah, so smart just to like community build on social instead of just using it as, what did I call it? Like a, a PR megaphone where you're just posting every blog post you've ever written, which is like what most SaaS companies do now is like that mixed in with a link to a webinar, which as the company is doing now too. These are these are great examples, and I I wasn't I wasn't aware of them by the way. I would definitely to check them out. Yeah, definitely check it out. Um, Arc browser is they're just I think at the core of it, it's like two really great products, and that's why um, we we kind of relate to them because so many people love Whimsical, and like we'd much rather take that community building path instead of try to. <laughs> try to compete with camp. I try to compete with some of these big people that have unlimited resources right now. Um, um, yeah, definitely check out. We do, and we will drop them in the show notes also. Um, thank you for sharing that. Another question I have for you, you, you had two experiences with sort of education-based companies, Reforge and Foundation Labs. Um, what did these two experiences taught you about content marketing? Um, about teaching uh, uh, content marketing to to people. Um, so I think one thing we really learned with Reforge is like the strength of the teachers um, for each of each of the courses. Um, like they, they were very strong. They had very big followings, and they were like they were those employee voices you wanted talking about the courses and stuff like that. Um, one one content play we ran was called previews and it was SEO driven content based on their courses and then it led into the courses instead of before that reforge was very social email based and it did give us some good insights and kind of showed how we can build a funnel around search and pushing people into courses but at the end of the day people want to read the content from those experts and that's how it was written it was written by those experts instead of some random person that has no insight on how to bring how to build a product team writing about that which is what a lot of people in that SERP were writing about and that allowed us to rank super quickly because we had that expertise we had that e we had that first or is it the second e in double eat um and we had the trustworthiness we were just with that content i mean it was it was a perfect storm that kind of allowed us to target those double eat things um and we were ranking so quickly like it would get indexed and ranked a day or two after publishing and that's just for some companies that's unheard of but we really stayed focused we had a really good cadence um we tied it to those experts so it's it was it was an interesting learning experience on like how quickly you can get things to rank when you really target and work with yeah, and I guess not only that, because you you also have really interesting content, right? Perspectives and opinions. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And we were going at it with like complete, like, we didn't even like, we didn't really do competitor research like so many other people do when they rank. They're like, oh, 
numbers one, two, and three are talking about this. I'm going to talk about this. It's like, uh, nope, we're not going to talk about anything connected to that. And it was like a fully fresh new voice that Google is looking for, as we know. But I think that so many people are like, they don't have the expertise to write about the content they're writing about. So they write about what other people have already written about on that search. I would like to shift gears a bit uh, and discuss content repurposing. What are your thoughts on uh, content repurposing? And I would also like to uh, ask, um, what is the difference between repurposing and distribution uh, for, for you? Yeah, so I am a big fan of repurposing. I actually wrote something a couple of years ago I've written a few things on repurposing, but one of the things that I try to try to get into people's brain is like, there's two types of repurposing. There's active repurposing and there's reactive repurposing. So active repurposing is when you're building out your blog content, when you're building out your webinar, when you're building out that big anchor piece of content, it, it can be something as simple as like a thought leadership post on LinkedIn from your founder. You need to be thinking about where you're going to repurpose it from the beginning. You need to think about how you're going to turn it into a thread, how you're going to turn it into a video, how you're going to turn it into a slide deck. And that should be part of the creation process instead of so many people take the approach of reactive where they're like, oh, we've got this blog post. It's coming out in three days. Let's try to make as much content as we want. And they make like nothing or it just falls down and it doesn't reach their goals. So I'm a big fan of the active repurposing. And I think the companies that do that well, that think about where they can amplify it from the beginning instead of like, oh, it's done now. Let's figure out how to amplify. They're a lot more effective. They've got more content they can work on. And like, I was such a fan of like, when I'm writing, kind of highlighting like, oh, I want to turn this into a quote. I want to turn this 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 process into a slide deck. And it just becomes a lot easier to go for like that into creation of the repurposing content instead of like, hey, let's pass this off to our designer. Let's see what they're going to do with this. Because they're like, we have no context on this. Um, and I think that's where a lot of repurposing efforts break down is not thinking about where you're going to repurpose that original content from the beginning. And then you're like, you're kind of just panicky of like, oh, we should turn this into whatever a Twitter thread, especially if like, I think the biggest place I see this happen is like if someone sends out like a newsletter and it does really well on they get a lot of clicks they get a lot of reads they get a lot of shares they're like oh we probably should do something on social for this and like we probably should have done something on social from the beginning with that yeah yeah uh that makes sense um what are your thoughts on the upcoming changes in google search with the introduction of uh, sg well, I mean, I think I've been in tech long enough that I don't believe the hype cycles until they actually do something with it. Uh, the stuff that OpenAI was talking about this week, I see like that has a little more staying power, but I don't know. I just, I think we're so insulated in the tech world that we think because everyone is so hyped about AI that the general consumer is hyped about AI too. And if we go and ask my sister, who's a chemical engineer, are you going to use AI in your job? She's like, no, why? I mean, that's probably 10 years from now. Um, and I'm guessing thing in industries that's a lot more regulated, 
like getting AI and healthcare and stuff like that's going to take a long time. But just because we're kind of in the fast and free tech world, we're like, oh, AI everywhere. We don't care. And I don't know if that's going to come back to buying us, but we'll see. That's a good way to, to see it. Um, I like it. Uh, and I guess it's optimistic. I, I see I don't. Yeah. Yeah. There's been so many hype cycles in my 10 years of tech that I don't, I, I don't freak out as much as I used to. I'm like, oh, we should be doing this. I mean, we saw the rise of the creator economy. We saw uh, YouTube take off as like an actual place to make money. Like there's, there's been, we saw TikTok. I mean, I, I don't want to compare AI to TikTok. When TikTok was blowing up, every company was like, we need a TikTok page. It feels very similar to like every every company just wanting something new and they're like, oh, AI, let's do it. And it's like, do you need it? Or are you just building the 10th example of something that's already been built? I agree, but on a, on a practical level, I mean, do you see any use cases? Uh... Oh, I see a ton of use cases. Yeah, like we have two AI tools built into Whimsical that help you start from like a blank screen. And they're fantastic. Like, I think I see a lot more in like those getting started tasks. And I think that's what there's a big disconnect right now is like people will see AI to AI tools as like doing the whole job, but they're really just kind of like a lot of the time, especially for like creative work, they're like the get started step. Um, and then you have to do a lot from there. But there's all these people who are like, I wrote 50 blog posts with AI over this weekend. And we're like, were any of them good? Are they going to rank? Probably not. But you you hit that 50 number. So good job. But our our two AI tools are one for mind maps and one for flowcharts. And you basically can type in, I want to make a flowchart of X. Or can you turn this website into uh, a sitemap in into a mind map? And I'll go out and do that. It's really slick. And people seem to really love our chat GPT interact inter, er, integration. So like I do see a lot of uses for it, but I also don't see it as a solve everything tool that every company needs to have. Also, I think AI gets used for things that already exist, like chatbots and stuff like that, just to sound new and fresh. I agree with most of the points you, you made. Um... <laughs> Which one do you not? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's it's not, um, it's rare because I, I talk to a lot of people, right? And it's rare that you you will talk to someone who will be, you know what? I mean, it's I've, I've seen similar things happening before. Uh, and also your point about us getting overly excited with things just because we, you know, we even breathe, you know, into all these tools and applications and things like that doesn't mean that the rest of the world is similarly uh, excited. And at the same time, I mean, I remember six, seven months ago, or even in the beginning of this year, there was this this buzz around AI. And now that the dust has somehow settled, I don't know. I mean, we are like, we're just moving on, right? And, and yeah. things are okay. There are some use cases, but I don't see anything transformational, at least right now. I don't know about the future, but right now. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think that there, I think there's a bright future for it, but I, I think it's at the end of the day, 
just another like SaaS or tool category. I don't think it's going to be something that disrupts every single company. And I could be wrong. I Maybe I'll look back in six months and be like, you idiot. But I wasn't wrong about NFTs. I wasn't wrong about crypto. I wasn't wrong about any of that. You've been when you're in the industry this long, you see those hype cycles happen. Um, so I don't know. Speaking of the future, and I know that uh, we have limited time, so that will be my uh, last question. What do you think the future looks like for uh, SaaS companies, re like regarding marketing? Um, how does that future look like? I think. I think to survive, I think to survive and thrive, SaaS companies are going to really have to improve their product. I think so many companies have gotten away with having a very bad product, but a very strong, um, maybe funnel, um, or, or the switching costs have been too high, but as people are kind of reevaluating why are we using Google Docs for literally everything. Uh, I think there'll be some switches. I think there'll be I think there'll be some kind of like we've seen maybe five or ten years ago, just the unbundling of apps. I wonder if we're going through we'll we'll go through a similar kind of the mega apps that where companies have just bought a ton of things and now we're unbundling because they've gone so bad. Um so I really think that, or I hope just for users that companies can't hide their bad product behind good marketing um, and really look at how they improve and how they make it easier to use. Like like I said, when I'm looking at like Arc and Linear, like they really care about their users. They care about their product. And that's just like such a refreshing approach that you don't see in many SaaS tools, especially the ones that have like doubled down on search, which as a search marketer, that's probably probably terrible for me to say, but like it's it's a refreshing reminder that like you can build an awesome company with a great product and like great people. You don't need to spend millions of dollars dominating serves. Well, this was a, I don't know, an interesting discussion and um you brought some fresh perspectives to to the podcast, so thank you for that. Um, last question I have for you: Where can people find out more about you or Whimsical and get in touch? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Twitter is falling apart, so I don't even try on there anymore. Um, but yeah, definitely find find me on LinkedIn. Um, Whimsical, we're doing a lot more um, social content going forward. I'll be leading that. So. Yeah, just check me out on LinkedIn. I'll probably be on other podcasts and speaking at some events in the next year. But if you want to follow along with my unconventional takes as a as an SEO person on the SEO industry, definitely follow me on LinkedIn. Ryan, uh, correction here: it's X yes. falling apart. So oh, sorry, sorry. Twitter is fine. X is falling apart. Yeah, Twitter. We can leave that in the in the ether as being a semi great product, and X is yeah. You're right. It's falling apart. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you for joining us. Of course, this was great. Another episode of the SaaS SEO Show has wrapped. We hope this episode has taught you something new too. We'd like you to connect with us so you can keep up with all the new content that we're creating. 
Before you go, it would mean the world to us if you could subscribe to this podcast and over at our YouTube channel, where we upload the video version of this and every episode. Until next time.